The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. I just wanted to make a point before I start any of this conversation to say that I'm not an attorney, and this is all my opinion. I may say things about companies or coins or the state of affairs. These are my opinions. I'm not stating anything as fact. Please take everything with a grain of salt and go investigate for yourself. Everything I say in this podcast is my opinion only. Anything that I've gone over in this podcast is strictly my opinion. I'm not a lawyer, nor am I licensed to give any financial advice. Uh, and anything that I have said in here is, again, my opinion. Uh, again, do your own research and come to your own conclusions. Okay. And same goes for myself. This is all... Opinion, speculation. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a financial advisor either. So we just want to make sure that people listening understand this. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guests today are Michael Taggart and John Gotts, co-founders of Stokens. And uh, before I get more into their background and their details, I just want to introduce them. How are you guys doing? Great. How are doing you? Doing pretty well. Good. Yeah. Um, before we got on the call, you guys mentioned that you're also uh, made up a self-regulating body in regards to tokens. Can you let listeners know what that is? Sure, Michael. Do you want to take a crack at it? Or <laughs> uh, Yeah, sure. You know, we uh, saw a need and recognized that this industry had a couple of different options available for it. Um, right now, uh, the options that we have are to let other self-regulating organizations, we can get into that a little bit later, like the SEC or FINRA, uh, dictate how things are going to go for us, or we have the opportunity to make our own. So uh, John and I had talked about this, and John actually came to me with the idea, so it's his brilliant idea, really, to go and create our own self-regulating organizations so we can be responsible stewards of the technology where it goes and uh, essentially allow us, the people who are inside this industry, make decisions for our industry rather than letting outsiders who don't understand our technology. Yeah, it makes sense because the decisions are going to come regardless. So if you guys get in front of it, you have more of a choice and an ability to guide it. Yeah, you know, you have to wonder whether or not uh, the bit license over in New York could have been done by the people. So you look at a group like FINRA, as Michael said, they're a regulatory body over securities. Well, they're not a government organization. They're a self-regulating body. That means, as an SRO, a self-regulating organization, this organization actually is a group of people that created it, or at least run it, coming together and setting their own rules. And when we were 
Key Zero's office during the week of consensus with the U, the week of the 20th there in uh, New right. York. One of the gentlemen at T Zero said, you know, you could create a self-regulating body. And I said, what did you just say? Oh, yeah. The only reason that organizations are created by government is to protect and educate, for instance, holders of tokens. And we can do this. But if we don't, in an absence of that, they have to. But if we are there, they don't. So first of all, I think there has to be a really clear delineation between what is a security token and should be under the rules and regulations of securities globally. And how do we do that? How do we treat that? We have an answer. And then what is not a security token? So if I could create some new language here, I would say that a security token or is a stoken for short. And that wasn't my name. I give that to a gentleman named Sean, who's a really early Bitcoin miner we met in New York. A stoken then is a security token. And that means that anything that's not a token is either a coin, which I would call a currency, or it's a token. And it could be a utility token. It could be an access token. It could be a game token like Mobile Go did so geniusly. But if you understand what the rules are that make something a security, then you could say those are tokens and they need to be regulated by those that are regulating it already. And we'll stick to that. But if it's not, that's our opportunity. That's where we could come in. And we could regulate ourselves and we could create our own rules. We could educate the people that hold tokens. We could protect them. Okay. And that's what we intend to do. So, you know, one of the first questions might be, what is a security? And, you know, you might have heard that Poloniex is revealing their tokens now and their tokens to see really? which were tokens. They didn't say tokens, but yeah, they're looking to see which is a security and they're going to delist them. Shapeshift just made the same really? announcement. And this is a big deal because. It comes down to this. Charles Hoskinson, who worked with Michael early on the uh, uh, BitShares team, he's a genius. He came up with this idea. He took it to Switzerland and Luca Mueller at MME Group, and they, they went to the Swiss government. They got him to change mainly tax laws. But I believe the spirit of the idea was that if Oculus Rift can sell something before it's made and raise money actually to go make it, then why couldn't we do the same thing and just let people trade those receipts? It sounds great, but there's a problem. There are three stool, uh, three three legs to the stool that make something a security based on the Howey test. One is did you make an investment? With Oculus Rift, you could say yes, you're making an investment in something. Two is a common enterprise, and by that it means did they rely on your money to build, and did those putting up money rely on those experts to build it? Well, yeah, there was common enterprise. Did they expect okay. an outcome? on their investment that was higher than they put in? No. Whoops. There's the missing piece. By letting you trade those receipts and expecting a higher outcome, you now do. But look at MobileGo. Brilliant. They raised like $53 million in 30 minutes. But it was for marketing, not for building, not for operations. It was to trade magic swords or whatever. They can use that money for marketing. They could pay out bonuses and do what they want. It's absolutely not a security because there was no common enterprise. But I think we all agree the first two steps of the Howey test are always taken. Someone's coming in with money, they expect a bigger outcome. So any company out there that marketed to people in the United States, and it was a security, you've broken the law. And there's a traffic monsoon case going through the SEC. It's being expedited currently, Utah case. And you may have read that. It says they'll be able to come after you, even if you have a nonprofit foundation over there in Switzerland or Luxembourg or Lithuania or 
Singapore or, you know, Gibraltar, all these places that are supposedly safe havens for foundations. No, you're not. If you marketed to people in the U.S., then you're in trouble if they bought it and it's security. And the exchanges, what happens when those that held the Dow token are investigated, simply investigated by the SEC? Everyone's going to leave. They're going to, you know, shit their bed. For, well, they're going to start pointing fingers. You know, they're going to start pointing fingers at the people who sold the tokens to them right. specifically, in, you know, to start that off. And you see that happening already with the Canadian government uh, doing this with their version of the SEC uh, going out there and doing the exact same thing right now. Um, so they're investigating. But so so what do you right. think will happen with, um, you know, holders of the tokens? Do you think anything will happen to them or it's really the... Uh, the purveyors of the no, tokens that, no. that ran the no, they're going to come after they're going to come after the exchanges that sold exchanges. to US investors and it'll give them an in by the way to break into those Kraken accounts or Bitrix or whatever to say, Hey, let us look inside here. I think you've got a token. Now let's see your whole list. And that's how they're gonna exactly. get in. Yeah, Everyone's gonna flee the, that exchange. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. And if you're a coin creator, let's think about what happens when you Ran your sort of like the Dow token and you are security. And like I said, everybody knows it. If you, if those three things that I mentioned, if that's, if that's happened and you've marketed to people in the U S or sold to the people in the U S and they're not accredited, you didn't go through the right steps. You didn't register to security, whatever you're in trouble. What happens when the SEC investigates you, even if you're proven to have done nothing wrong, it'll take a year to three years to figure that out. And in the meantime, who's going to hold your coin? No exchange is going to put it up. You're done. And so before yeah, this happens, we want to take what I call toxic coins. Toxic coins are coins that were actually securities and their lawyers led them to trouble. And I believe we have a way to clean those coins and make them legit and make everything good and make sure there are no civil law cases because that's typically what prompts the SEC. Right. How would and you fix a token that's already been issued? What would you do? Sure. So sure. first of all, we have to define what is not a token, right? And so I, I have a list that I put up on stokens.com, not trying to, you know, advertise myself here, but I, there's a list there. But if it's a utility token, if it's a currency, if it's a game coin, if it's an access coin, any of these things are legit. And what you do is something like this without admitting any wrongdoings, pointing to the Oculus Rift case, pointing to the fact that your lawyers told you to do things this way and you were trying to follow the rules. You create a token for anyone outside the U.S. And anyone that thought they had a security can go ahead and go over there and maybe get the early discount that would normally go to Wales or something like that. Anybody in the U.S. needs to offload themselves to a, stay there where they are, but we're now making this a utility coin. And with, there's at least nine different ways that I could tell you that you could make yourself a utility coin rather than a token. And you make sure that anyone that makes this switch, anyone in the U.S. must hold the coin or must forfeit and, and, and leave, anyone outside the U.S. can move over to the security token if that's truly what they wanted, or they can stay in the coin. But the coin then, if you hold it after a certain date, we'd ask that people sign something saying, we will not sue you nor join a class action lawsuit against you. Well, if there's no civil action that's going to be taken against you, even if the SEC came after you, there are no teeth in it. And frankly, you've admitted no wrongdoing. You've pointed it, your finger at the lawyers and, and how things were done. But now you've acted in incredibly good faith. And so if the SEC or someone did come after you, I would think that a judge would give a little more leniency to someone who did their very, very best to be a good character than someone who's not. 
and I didn't mention this, but as far as how you make sure that rules apply to people that are holding security tokens, we, for instance, at Stokens are going to KYC AML everyone. We're going to know your customer and I'm laundering. We're going to use a company called Trulu that has 4 billion people in their database. We can get uh, uh, typically verification back on someone in three minutes or less, cost a few dollars for the person, mm-hmm. that's it. But now we bake into, for instance, the BitShares blockchain that we're using, we'll bake in the, S- the, the regulatory rules of every country globally. And now that I know who you are and where you reside, I can hold you to the laws of your country specifically and not hurt anybody else. Not that that would be hurting you. But the fact is, there is a way to be compliant. And I believe Stokens is the first one to ever do this. And BitShares is our partner. And I believe that the TXSRB is going to make this all super clear. So can you, can you break this down a little bit? Because I guess I'm still not understanding 100%. What makes a token, a security token versus a utility token? Maybe you can give me like a real specific example or a software access token or, you know, a bunch of different flavors of tokens. Absolutely. So I really, like I say, I really think Sergey Shalom and his team did a brilliant job with their their MobileGo token. It's a game token. You can use it to trade magic swords or do gaming online or whatever, but they're not using it to build anything. They're not using it to build a team or to develop something. They don't need that money to proceed. So they're selling something that they already have. Well, then it's not a security. It'd be no different than me selling you a ticket to my party next week. Big deal. There's going to be food and beverage and whatever, and I want to recoup my money. I can do that. I can sell you something. Now, if those people want to trade those coins out there, that's fine. They can do that. You could go out there and buy baseball cards and trade them on eBay right now. Who cares? But essentially, you're, you're, you're getting something you know, of value already. But they, so they're raising money. They're saying they're raising money not to run their business, but they're raising it to do marketing. Is that what they, they said? That, for instance, would be a good reason. But frankly, if they just wanted to sell the coins and pay it out in bonuses to their you know, current team, they sure could. The only thing <laughs> they cannot do is use that money to build the thing that they were selling in advance of selling it, because now there's common enterprise. I require the money to build this. You require me to build it for the money you're putting up. If I don't do my job, you lose your money. If I don't get your money, I can't build the product. That's common enterprise. If you understand that clearly, the other two parts are easy. I put money in and I expected more money out. Well, then a charity token wouldn't be that, would it? Even if you're building something, you don't expect anything back. You have to have All all three legs of that stool to fail the Howey test. And you, what if you have two of the three? Will you fail it? No, nope, you didn't three? fail. No, nope, you're way. perfect. You're perfect. That's why Oculus Rift really wasn't failing the Howey test is because did you invest? Yes. Was it common enterprise? Yes. Did you expect to be able to sell your coupon that you put up for that that says you got one coming in the mail? No, you didn't. Now, could you have gone and sold it on eBay? I guess so. But there wasn't an exchange where people had bid and asks and such. That's clearly you expecting an outcome. Charity is not right. an outcome. The only outcome is people, you know, something good happened for someone because of, because of your money. So what right. if myself and, I don't know, five developers, we're going to create this, you know, this thing this decentralized, whatever it is. And we, you know, we do an ICO and we're raising money, but we say, you know, we're, we're already in the alpha stage of the product and this money is for uh, marketing or this money is for bonuses. Is that okay? Or is that still playing close to the edge? If you're raising money to build something, which I just heard you say, 
if it's in beta, you know, and, mm. and you're not using any of the money, to, you just cannot use it to build something. If you are running operations, if you're building with it, if I'm dependent on you to do something for me with my money, and that's why I'm giving it to you, because without it, I won't get that thing. You've got to go build it. It's absolutely common enterprise. And, and that, by the way, is what's going to sting so many companies. I'm, I'm not going to give any names out, but there are a lot of people that did it wrong. And it wasn't their fault. It was their lawyer's fault. So tell me again, how can, they, how can a company fix it? It's too late. They raised. 30 million and you know from their token sale they've been trading for a year what do they do what do they do now how can they fix things well a couple things one is how much money did they raise up front because if they can offer refunds to anyone who would like one that they had ill advised to go ahead and buy this because their lawyers gave them bad advice then that's one thing that you could do is offer refunds and typically the amounts raised unless it's these ridiculous raises like bancor um, that are just I don't know what their trophy raises or something, but if it's if it was a regular raise and they raised a few million dollars and now their coin's worth hundreds of millions or something, pay them back. Just offer a refund if you can. If those people are outside the U.S., they don't need a refund, but they can have a security token. But you should have a separate security token so you clearly di- differentiate between the two and say, hey, look, this is our security token. This is not. You guys got into this one that is not. We did not intend that to be a security token, but... We are creating a security token now. Any of you outside the U.S. that thought you had a security, come over here at a discount, and we'll take your coin, and we'll give you tokens instead, or we'll take your token, and we'll give you tokens instead if it's not a currency-type token. And those of you that are in the U.S., keep the token we had. If you thought it was a security, we'll give you a full refund. And we'll apologize you- for the inconvenience, but we're not going to say we did anything wrong because they didn't, not on purpose anyway. Well- well, quick question here. So let's say I issue a token in the U.S. and it was a dollar when I issued it and now it's $10, the token. If I offer someone a refund, am I refunding them the original dollar, the dollar. or are I refunding no, them? The, do- the dollar. Okay. Yeah. You're just giving them back what they gave you with an apology that the U.S. laws are so archaic. But they don't have I mean, to. Literally, think you, if you, you don't, I mean, if you think about this. Are you forcing really it on them here? or are you just offering oh, them? God, and no. If they don't no, take no, it, no. they don't take you it. Can either, you can either have a discount. Or you can keep the coin you have now, but it's now clearly a utility coin that we just, you know, this is what its use is now. If the use before was building, it's not building now. Our apologies. We have a new token for that. It's called a token. And you raise new money for a security token that's absolutely an investment for operations in the company. And it's run exactly like it should be then. Now you've given them an out. They can have a refund. They can keep the the coin or the token that they have now that might have been a security, but no longer is it for that purpose. It might be a referral token now. Whatever. I've got a bunch of things you can choose from. But anybody out there how, um, how bulletproof that wanted is this a security can have that. How bulletproof is this method if a, a, a given company does it? And how many companies are aware of it or just saying, yeah, we're fine. Don't worry. You know, have you spoken to many companies? Are they uh, afraid? Yeah, yeah. Do they care? Yeah, I, What's the climate? Everyone's afraid. Everyone's afraid. If they've done it wrong, they're afraid, and they should be. I've talked. I talked to coins, and I, I should say uh, uh, companies that have done illegal ICOs. I talk to them every week, and these things are trading in the tens of millions to the hundreds of millions to billions. And so, there's not that long a list. You could probably go figure it out pretty quick. Just look up their ICO, see what the use of funds was. They're either screwed or they're not. And if they're screwed, 
they may think they're not because, oh, I'm over here in Luxembourg. I don't have to listen to that. I'm in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for now. But wait till traffic monsoon passes. Then expect to knock on your lawyer's door. And then they're going to come after the founder of that distributed autonomous organization because you're not going to get away with it. They're going to come after you and set an example of you. Another Charlie Schrem moment. So it's, it sounds like a pretty easy fix, though, especially if your token is appreciated a lot. I mean, it sounds, it, you offer refunds and... Probably in this climate, I, no one will take them, but very few will, no. and then you're all, you're all good, right? Well, and, and the thing is, you're never just all good, but, and I would never promise that this is going to be a silver bullet solution, but what I will say mm-hmm. is that if I'm a judge, and I'm sitting here deciding your fate, and I know that you knew you could have tried to fix it, and you didn't, mm. you just were like, no, nah, screw you, United States, I'm in Switzerland. Okay, they're going to make an example out of you. But if you did everything you possibly could, you never admitted any wrongdoing, you said you followed your lawyer's advice, and now that they've made the Dow token uh, uh, decision, that opened your eyes to how they're thinking, and you, within 60 days, went in and changed everything and made it right. Well, now if you're in front of that same judge, she's going to have to look at you a little differently now. You tried hard to follow the rules, and then you did everything you could. As soon as you found out there was a problem, you did everything you could to fix it. I think the that time that to do will it go now, while the market seems to be pumping, because if it retraces or things come down, you know, let's say a few of these cases happen and companies are blown up, uh, the whole market could tank for a while, and that's the worst time to try to do this because then you may not have the money to offer refunds. Well, they may not have the money to offer refunds anyway, but here's what you can do then. You can raise the stoken. And you can raise enough money to refund those people if they need to be refunded. But frankly, I don't know why anybody would give up their coin that is now absolutely no longer a a security, nor would I understand why, if you really wanted a security, why you wouldn't jump into one. And if you really believed in the project, you wouldn't ask for a refund. But all of that said, you never know human behavior. I can tell you that if they don't do this, there's an absolute guarantee they're going to get delisted from exchanges. And they're going to go to zero and no one's going to list them. And if you don't have liquidity, guess where you go? You go to zero. Yeah, you go to zero. So if people don't do this, so I guess it's damned if you don't for sure. And a little less damned maybe if you do and possibly you get a golden ticket. I'll take that one. So so there would be tremendous value in, I don't know if there's liability involved, but there would be tremendous value. It seems like in someone publishing a list of their opinion on which ones are possibly in trouble, which ones are not. I am. It's already, it's already, it's, oh, you mean of actual coins? No, the reason I cannot do that is I don't want to cause people to flee. I don't want them Mm. to run away from the coins. That will crash the market. So what we're doing is we're starting at the top of the list and we're working our way down the list. And if somebody has something that we're pretty sure is a security, we're going to knock on their door and say, would you like help repairing this? Because we know how to repair this, we think. At least better than anyone else so far has put up. Um, and if they pass so the test, and that's totally their, theirs to do. So you actually approaching companies, or are you having a companies approach you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and here's some really interesting stu- stuff. When I went out to uh, New York, um, I met with about 25 people who have inv- you know, created probably some of the top 50 tokens. Um, and 100% of them were thrilled that someone was taking this on. The token exchange self-regulating body, which actually came from that meeting, that was so overwhelmingly positive when Michael got us up on Huffington Post that we stopped all marketing of it. We didn't tell anybody else about it because we were literally inundated from everyone around the world that's been working on these regulations. 
to say, how can we join? How can we help? We have the first Bitcoin exchange in India. We've got one of the first Bitcoin exchanges in China. We're in Germany. We're in Austria. We're in England. We're in Australia. From around the globe, everyone was like, we're in. What do we do next? And we're like, oh, shit. And we stopped and backed up. And now we're putting in a blockchain-based, wiki-based system where we can communicate with everybody without humans having to be staffed to do it. It was 100% positive and overwhelmingly successful. So we can't put out any more um, until we're really ready. And I think that'll be this week. Uh, we're putting polishing touches on it now. Hmm. A quick question about, uh, so the exchanges look like they're going to be reviewing their tokens and delisting ones they think will be a liability to them. You right. also mentioned the uh, ShapeShift, but ShapeShift doesn't have accounts. Why would they be liable? Or do they still fear Wasn't that they ShapeShift, could be Did I get it wrong? Hold on. Let me, let me. Well, no, I mean, let it. Shapeshift has delisted some of the pairings uh, for this very reason. They, Shapeshift does consider themselves to actually be an exchange. They, they, they do all the time. So anybody who's an exchange, oh. meaning anybody Kraken, who exchanges, Kraken just put out something. Kraken, Kraken, did, I, Kraken yeah. I meant. Kraken just came out and said these pairings of Ether to dollars, Ether to British you know, pounds, etc. They're no longer yep. accepting. Poloniex did. Yeah, Kraken did. Shapeshift yep. did. Uh, they all are for a reason. They see the writing on the wall, and when you look at the SEC bulletin, it says not not in in black and white in the words there, but when you read it, it says specifically exchanges that deal in these securities, and they're they're going to make examples of exchanges before anybody else because one, it's one centralized way to shut down a whole lot of accounts. Uh, it's one way to seize a lot of funds immediately. Uh, for them to uh, then again scare people, um, you know, scare the other exchanges into compliance or shutting down, and mm-hmm. it's it's the same tactic that you see over and over again, and and you expect that to happen. So if an exchange decides to then deal with tokens instead, what they could reasonably expect is that uh, the due diligence has been done, and that anybody who is trading uh, based on that model. Uh, is allowed to be able to buy and sell those tokens and not have to worry about uh, dealing with any of that from SEC or any other regulatory organization or body at that point. Yeah, if you think about it, look at what happened with Charlie Shrem and Bit and then Bit License. Yeah. Three of the five panelists that decided his fate and created the self-regulating body, or I shouldn't say self-regulating, rather the regulatory rules in New York to run a Bitcoin exchange. Two of those five got licensed for the first legitimate exchange, quote unquote. And the guy who wrote the rules for a year quit and went into the private practice to show people how to get through his own minefield. What they did was they shut down all the original people and took it over. Now look at the Goldman Sachs patent, which the TXSRB is going to take on as its first bullseye. They put up a patent back in November of 2014, and they wanted to claim that they'd invented wallets. And digital exchanges. No, they did not. And prior art and open source code, they were denied. So they came back again and they were denied. So they came back a third time and this time they left out all reference to prior art and it passed. Are you joking? And they added Dash and Ether and a few others into their model. So according to the United States government right now, Goldman Sachs invented token trading exchanges. And what do you think they're going to do with that patent? So after the SEC takes, and by the way, look at the Dow token uh, uh, result. They didn't say they were not going to go after exchanges. 
They never said that. Right. They said they weren't going to right now go after the people that did the Dow. But they never mm-hmm. said they weren't going to go after the exchanges that listed it. So they've already said this, and they're now waiting for traffic monsoon to hit so they can go after anyone in the world. Then they're going to start shutting down these exchanges by simply investigating them and watching everybody flee. And then Goldman's going to come in and go, you know what? We have the patent, and we're going to do it legitimately. So now we're the centralized exchange. Well, we have to stop that, man. We, brothers and sisters listening, we must stop this. And we can mm self-regulating global body that says those are not securities and this is how we're going to educate and protect holders of those tokens. So what is is the traffic monsoon? I don't understand what that is. The traffic monsoon case is this case out of Utah. If you go and read my white paper, if you want to call it a white paper, it's more Genesis paper. It's tokens.com. I give about a five-page explanation of exactly what the traffic monsoon case means and why they're going to use it. And what they're using it for is to say, if you marketed securities to someone in the United States, but you are outside the United States, we will have global jurisdiction over you. And if you are an unknown distributed autonomous organization, doesn't matter. We'll come after the founders of that organization. And if you're outside the U.S., that doesn't matter. We're going to bring you back to the U.S. to face felony charges. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. And see, what's interesting about that case, too, is it's not even a, a cryptocurrency type case. Not it's at a all. Token, it's a token type case, though, because people bought these tokens um, with, and basically to buy traffic, website traffic or otherwise, add banner type traffic to their their stuff, you know, affiliate offers or whatever. But it was hmm. still a token and it's being treated that way. And it is a case that is going to set some serious precedent because we're talking about a lot. There was a lot of money on this case. You can go look it up because it is a pretty uh, interesting case, but it's going to have a lot of repercussions okay. on this. So, as a, you know, let's say you hold, uh, I don't know, 20 different tokens. Let's say I hold 20 different tokens. What do I do to protect myself from, uh, you know, from losing the money in the tokens if they get investigated or delisted? Nothing says well, that they're frankly, not going to lose any money right now anyways, because, I mean, if at any time they can drop the hammer on either an exchange and wipe out the holdings, I mean, CBTCE trying okay. to recover if they can, or they can go after some some holders, uh, some major holders or founders of some of the major blockchains that have done this or been involved, and who knows what happens. There, there's no certainty to any of that really at all, but I'll let John answer the second part here. Well, yeah, you know, I would just say that um, I am being very, very careful about my own trading of tokens. And I am specifically staying away from any token that I know is a security because literally I could buy it and two seconds later, I could get news that the thing's just been frozen in trading because it's under SEC investigation. That scares the crap out of me. So it's already had an effect on me. I won't trade it. And so, yeah, I could put out a list of all those that are breaking the rules, but you know what, if I do that, I'm not going to create any friends. And frankly, if people take it seriously, those coins are going to zero. So I'm just staying out of it. We're, connect, we're connecting with coins ahead of time to say, look, you've got a problem. We believe we can help you. Your worst case scenario is you'll go to jail for uh, a long time. And your best case scenario is you won't go to jail at all, or it'll be reduced if you did get in trouble because you acted as best you could as a good character. If someone doesn't want to do that, then they're dooming their entire network as far as I'm concerned, and they're dooming the exchange that holds them. I also want to work with exchanges, and I want to go through their list and clean them before they have to delist them. 
I would love to do that with Polonix. I would love to do that before they delist someone. Because also when they do that, they're admitting guilt. They're admitting, yep, they let securities trade. Well, all right, (laughs) if you want to go that way. But I think a better message would be we've cleaned all the tokens that were toxic. So is there an easy way for people to find out which which tokens could be a problem, which ones couldn't be? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Go look at their ICO, pull up their white paper, and see if they were going to spend the money they raised to build something. And if it was ever marketed to anyone in the U.S., or if it was, for instance, I don't know, um, you know, if it's paying dividends as well, I believe. But, yeah, you know. if it's a security, it's just, you know, call it a security. And by the way, a security token could be real estate. It doesn't have to be equity. It could be oil and gas. It could be anything. I want to make a huge market for that and think people will, and it'll be a good market. But the U.S. has to change its laws. And the only way to change laws is to lobby. And the only way to lobby is to raise money. So I hope that the TXSRB raises $100 million or $500 million or something specifically to lobby governments globally and to put together a legal defense fund for those that tried their best to do it right, join the TXSRB, clean their coin, and they were attacked. Well, I want to attack the attacker, but we need money for that to defend those people. Mm. So this is really about protecting the whole community and not letting the Goldman Sachs and JP Morgans of the world. I mean, my God. Life Masters created, what, the credit default swap that destroyed our country? She was made CFO of J.P. Morgan and is now running whatever it is she's got. I mean, the people, it's crony capitalism. They're going to kick out the inventors, and they're going to put in those people, and we're all going to lose. Or we're going to protect this community, and the next trillion dollars that's created from $100 billion to a trillion will go to the masses, not the few. But it's up to us. Yeah. And by us, that's I mean everyone because... listening out there, right? All of us. Yeah, it's terrible because the intent of a lot of these uh, these companies was to help the masses, not to you know to further right. crony capitalism. So, think how much wealth was created for the little guys and gals of the world with this last hundred and fifty billion. That was that was wealth that's feeding mouths. You know, it's 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 unbelievable what we were able to create out of thin air. And I won't say we; I wasn't the inventor, but those pioneers that invented this and those that believed in it and pushed the values up through their belief. You know, that's got to be fixed. And by the way, too, one other thing that we do at Stokens, my background was family office venture capital, where we looked for not risk investments, but wealth preservation investments. And so I believe in a strong pro forma or P&L. I believe in a strong business model. What I've noticed is that the coins that are out there seem to have value based on an expectation of savings by an enterprise, for instance, in the marketplace like Ripple. Now, Ripple's got a team behind them. Ethereum's got consensus pushing them with a Y. You know, Stellar has Lightyear. There are some, but very few. Majority don't have a business team. They don't have operations. They don't have sales and marketing. They don't have advertising. There's some engineers, brilliant as they are, with some lawyers that led them astray. That's not a business. So we also want to build infrastructure. We want to be the red hat for that Linux. We want to be that consensus with a Y for those Ethereums. And we want to build something that lasts, that makes sense, and can grow. So it's not just about rules and regulations. It's also about intrinsic value from business that's well thought out and well staffed with a team that can execute. So what do you think is the, um, the window in which uh, we may start to see you know, certain tokens 90 days. being... Um, 90 days. Really? Yeah. Everything is going to go to shit in 90 days. If something doesn't turn around, it's going there fast. And believe me, they want that traffic monsoon case done. They are expediting that case. Hmm. It's pretty soon. Wow. 
yeah, it's really soon. But remember, they started that case like a year ago. So it's racing through now at this point. And literally tomorrow, later today, they could announce that and start making arrests. Hmm. So we have to act fast. We cannot move slowly on this. If I'm wrong on 90 days, well, you know what? I'd rather err on the side of being cautious. So I'm saying 90 days. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't heard anyone else talking about this at all. Out of all the companies I've spoken to, you know. Well, you know, I started on this in November of 2014, and uh, I sketched it on a board of David Blumberg at his Blumberg Capital office in San Francisco. And we, I was really focused on trying to get non-accredited investors in the U.S. involved. It took me three years going through being a broker dealer, an agent to, a, uh, I should say, being an agent to a broker. Uh, going through taking the 63 and 79 test, understanding I didn't need that. I could go the angel list route, not be a broker dealer, create SPVs that are funds that are in Delaware that then can take up to 99 U.S. investors, but not more. And blah, 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 blah. It took three years to figure this out. I didn't come up with it like hmm. yesterday afternoon. Right. And they made this such a crazy path to get to the end point that if you don't know all those rules out there, there's no possible way you could know how to do it legally. Every lawyer out there, when I talked to Perkins Cooey, their lawyer, Jacob yep. Barber, who's done everything from MasterCoin to Bancor, which in my opinion is the most illegal token raise ever is Bancor. They're like an illegal ICO factory. His exact words to me were, John, we've been waiting for you to, for two and a half years. Wow. And when I talked to Tim Draper, Tim said, John, we've been trying to figure out how to be a token venture firm for three years. It's not obvious. You have to go through a lot of mud to figure your way out of the frickin' swamp. But I did. I figured it out. So do you think, um, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but, you know, Filecoin, they restricted their ICO supposedly to only accredited investors. Do you think that's the way that, um, you know, ICOs and tokens are going to go? What a stupid mess. Oh, my gosh. Is AngelList, like, insane? Like, really? That's what they came up with? Let me tell you something. Hmm. If you go through the U.S., and you want to do an SPV just like Angelus does, you've got a few problems. First of all, you can only have 99 investors in an SPV. You can have more outside of the United States. But if you notice, even though it's one line on the cap table for that special purpose vehicle, that fund, and, and let me explain it a little more. If you go into someone like Anderson Horowitz or Kleiner or Bessemer Sequoia or whoever, they raise money for a fund and then they put it to work and you're locked into it for 10 years. There's no liquidity. There's no granularity of investment. Blockchain Capital tried to get more liquidity, but they really don't because if I hold their fund, yeah, I can sell it. But what if I want to sell eight of their investments? I don't want to sell the one that I like. Well, you can't. You got to sell the whole fund or nothing. So the way we did it was we took the Angelist model, which was to say, create a single fund and let people invest in that fund. And that invests in only one company, that fund, and we appear as one line on the cap table. But guess what? If I have 99 investors, it counts as 99 investors on their cap table. And if I go outside the U.S. and I exceed 2,000 in total, I'm now a U.S. public company. So we don't deal with U.S. companies, unfortunately, right now. And we will not take U.S. investors, even though we could, and trade them on T0 until, and by the way, what we're going to lobby on is that. Get rid of the pass-through rule and get rid of the 99 minimum, okay? and then we'll stick with accredited investors because the Jobs Act was set up to fail. Also, you can only spend 10% of your income on in any one year on an investment, and who keeps right. track of that? And if they went over, you're in trouble, uh, and you've got to prove they're not accredited. Uh, that's what happens when the Congress shoves something down the SEC's throat they don't want. They go, okay, fine, <laughs> but we're going to make it ridiculously impossible for you. 
So they do. Filecoin's a complete mess up. And frankly, raising $187 million for something that is not even as far along as storage coin, S-T-U-R-J, they're way ahead of them. Storage didn't raise $200 million and $50 million from the old school VC. Filecoin is an embarrassment as far as I'm concerned. They did it completely wrong. And if they're leading the way, they're leading the way down into hell because anybody that follows that model is just <laughs> crazy. So they're not, in your opinion, they're not protected because they restricted it to accredited investors. No, I just think that they're, they just once again went out and did a trophy round. You know, look at mm. Tezos. Tezos raises all this money. And then they're like, oh, and by the way, for you that were worried about what we're going to do with it, we started a $50 million or $75 million venture fund or whatever. Really? Because that, is that what I invested in? If I bought Tezos, was I buying a venture firm? Because it apparently is what it's become now because they got too much money. I'm old fashioned. Yeah. I want you to show me where you're going to spend money for the next 18 months. I'm going to presume you don't know how much you really need. and I'm going to double that amount. And that's what you're going to get. Not, oh, yeah, we started this four months ago. We have 10 people. We just raised $400 million. Are you nuts? Mm. Ah, it's gross. These trophy rounds, oh, well, we raised 150 Well, we raised 250 Well, we raised 300 Really? Is it a game now? Because you're talking about people's hard-earned money. Mm. So we look for companies that have a business model or we help them create a business model. I think right now the industry desperately needs this kind of infrastructure, support, and protection, and it doesn't have any of it right now. So let's let's fast forward 90 days, traffic monsoon cases decided. Um, what do you see as the new landscape 90 days from now or, you know, when things are? Uh, yeah. Things are if, if we're successful, we will have talked to all of the toxic coins out there and paved the path for them to success. Whether they use us or not, I'm happy to supply the material and the runway they need to get there. And by runway, I don't mean money. I mean... You know, if they need that, sure, you know, we can invest, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I just want to lay out a blueprint to every toxic coin and go, here, do this, fix it, quick, 90 days, go. If they mm -hmm. do, the exchanges are safe. Now they can only come after the exchanges for what they did in the past. But again, the token, the Dow token ruling hadn't occurred yet. Their lawyers told them it was okay. Their lawyers right. screwed up. Frankly, I'd be surprised if it goes south that these law firms like Perkins don't get class action lawsuits. They did everything from MasterCoin to Bancor wrong. Hmm. But that what percentage said, of, uh, of tokens out, do you think are going to have We clean these things problems? up. What percentage? In the yeah, ballpark. Half? From what you see. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's too late. I don't think they're going to pick well, on the small coins. They're going to pick a medium one. So as long as we can get down that top 100 list in the next 90 days, and again, we don't have to do the work for them. I'm happy to hand out a blueprint. But if they don't take this action quickly, people are going to start getting stung. Well, yeah, I, by people I, I mean the whole community. I probably stuck, uh, spoke over you. What percentage do you think of the uh, of, of coins out there are going to have problems? Five zero. Fifty percent. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lawyers out there should be ashamed of themselves because it wasn't the <laughs> people that created the software; it was the lawyers. They paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to give them terrible advice. Hmm. Well, let's let's give listeners um, a way to take action now. So. You know, if they uh, are invested in the token, we told them how to find out if there's a problem, read the white paper, analyze it. Um, what about if uh, you're a software dev and you were part of, uh, you know, an ICO? You're with one of these companies. What should you do? How could they get in contact with you and find out more? Yeah. Yeah. The best way that anybody can move forward on this is to go to stokens.com, S like security, tokens, T-O-K-E-N-S, stokens, plural. 
That's tokens.com. Go there, read the white paper, review what is coming down the pike from the traffic monsoon case. Understand what the Dow token ruling means to you. Understand that if you did it wrong, the worst thing you can do is sit there and wait and hope that they don't point their cannon at you. You got to act. This has got to be the most important thing that you do. You go out there, people trusted you, you, they gave you your mon- their money, and they trusted you. Now do the right thing. Go to stokens.com, read that paper, see if this is you. And if it's you and you need help, you contact us, you register, you send us an email, you let us know, I created a coin and I need help, or I have an exchange and I need help. We will help you. We will help you. We will lay out a blueprint. You can make these things happen within a week or two. You can make them happen fast, but if you don't, you're risking your entire network. You're risking the entire community. One bad apple could destroy the whole bunch, literally. So that's what you can do. If you want to be a part of the token exchange self-regulating body, we are not going to be able to answer you immediately. As I said early on, we have been overwhelmed, but go to T for token, X for exchange, S for self, R for regulating, B for body, dot O-R-G, and sign up. And we will let you know how you can help in your country to put up the rules and regs of your area, to translate it into your language, and anybody that you know in that area you can spread. I'm not looking for just exchanges and token creators. Every single person out there should be a part of the self-regulating body. All of us will get a chance to vote. 100% of us will set the rules. And if we can get this into the millions of people, the more money we can raise and the more people that are involved in this, the better chance we have of stepping up against people like Russia, who just today declared all tokens illegal to anyone non-accredited. All of them. What? What about those that aren't securities? Too late. That's what I'm saying. 90 <laughs> days? Maybe. Maybe 90 minutes. I don't know. Yeah. That's what they can do. Well, John and Michael, thank you for taking the time. I'm, I'm going to probably have to go get like a yeah. double vodka or something after this, but, but uh, I appreciate <laughs> you letting us know what's going on. You're awesome, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity to get in front of the people. You have a big megaphone, and we appreciate you letting us walk through this with you and talk through that megaphone. Thank you very much. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, To interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.